Welcome to TrekCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council here in Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio, Trek's Marketing and Communications Coordinator. Today's show is a replay of last November's Bank of Texas Speaker Series on Achieving Community Impact Through Collaboration. While Trek has taken a prominent role in the Dallas Catalyst Project and the community-driven growth effort as part of the J.P. Morgan Chase Pro Neighborhoods Grant Initiative, we are partnering with several community organizations on each of those projects to ensure we maximize our impact in the areas we're serving. Our speaker series panel featured Dallas Police Chief Urene Hall, Lyda Hill and Nicole Small of the Lyda Hill Foundation, and Alita Stampley of Capital One, all of whom incredibly well-versed in the power of partnerships. You'll hear their stories and advice in just a bit. Remember to subscribe to TrekCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, and follow the Real Estate Council on Facebook at the Real Estate Council, and on Twitter and Instagram at TrekDallas. Tickets, tables, and sponsorships are available now at recouncil.com for Fight Night 31, as one of North Texas's largest philanthropic events returns to the Hilton Anatole's Chantilly Ballroom on April 25th. Proceeds from this year's Fight Night benefit the Dallas Catalyst Project, so don't wait. Get your tickets, tables, and sponsorships over at recouncil.com. Tickets are also on sale for our annual Young Guns Casino Night on March 7th over at The Union, located at 2300 North Field Street here in Dallas. Casino Night is the region's premier spring networking event for young professionals in the commercial real estate industry, so come celebrate with a night of casino-style gaming, music, raffle prizes, and cocktails. It's going to be a great night. We've got a New Orleans Mardi Gras theme. So come let the good times roll. Tickets are $95 for members and $120 for non-members, and proceeds benefit this year's Young Guns Foundation project as part of the broader Dallas Catalyst project. Get your tickets now over at recouncil.com. And with that, we're on to a replay of our November 2018 Bank of Texas Speaker Series Community Impact Through Collaboration right here on TrekCast. I hope you leave this event um, with the feeling that significant change is possible um, and that change agents, the significant change agents operate uh, all around us uh, every day. And if you haven't seen them, we hope to give you some clues to, to give a better chance to, to spot them. So uh, with that, I'll introduce our panelists and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get going. I'll start with Lida Hill. Uh, she's someone that needs no introduction uh, here uh, in Dallas. And, um, but she is chairman of LH Holdings, uh, a private investment firm. Uh, she's committed to funding uh, game-changing advances in science, nature, and, empower and empowering nonprofit organizations um, around the city. Uh, she's also a one of the handful of people in Dallas that makes a lot of the great things happen. So uh, please welcome Lida Hill. Uh, next up, welcome Nicole Small. She's the CEO of LH Holdings and the Lida Hill Foundation. Uh, she's also the former CEO of the Perot uh, Museum and uh, Museum of Nature and Science. And she's also on the board of AHBLO, which owns the uh, Dallas Morning News. They forgot to tell us where to sit. Uh, please welcome Nicole. Uh, <laughs> next up is Alita Stampley. She is a community affairs manager at Capital One. 
She lives in New York City, but has deep roots here in Dallas, and is it has strong ties also to the nonprofit community uh, here here in Dallas. So, and she still lives in Dallas. Her heart is always in Dallas. Uh, please welcome Alita. And finally, welcome uh, Chief Renee Hall. She is our, obviously our chief of police. Uh, you may be surprised. I was going to make a joke to say you'd be surprised to see uh, someone on, on stage with a, a, a gun today. But, uh, I have a she, gun. You just can't see it. She has a gun. We just can't see it, she says. <laughs> um, chief, I had no doubt. Uh, so, but maybe a little surprised to see the chief of police up here, and I don't think you should be. Uh, she's someone who's in her seat because she has a different kind of approach to her job. Uh, she seeks to, to collaborate and to form the type of collaborations that hopefully will make, make um, calling the police less necessary. So she has a lot of interesting things to say. Please welcome uh, Chief Hall. Oh. Hopefully my mic is working, here we go. Um, I'm gonna set the stage here was starting a question uh, to you, Vida, if that's okay. Um, I'm gonna talk about the Better Together Fund. I wanna just make sure that everyone in the room has an understanding of what it is, uh, why it's necessary, who started it, and, and how it all got going. It launched in 2017, but can you, get, you set the scene for us a little bit about the Better Together Fund? I've been in business all my life, and I've also spent a lot of time in the nonprofit sector. And it doesn't matter where you are, collaborating and working together works. So we recognized that Dallas has a lot of, and a lot of places, have a lot of things that could be far more efficient if they weren't isolated in that new term that's now a negative term, those silos, especially in all the research that I fund. There's silos over here, there's a silo there. They don't know what's going on with each other. And um, they need to work together. Um, as the senior member up here, I think, um, I also remember Dallas when it was much smaller. I was born and raised here. And so as community grows, the one organization that took care of things, oh, wait, there's a whole other part of town there. They, that, so they started theirs. And this town over here started theirs. And how do we? get them working together. We've grown so much. We're such an enormous community, not just Dallas, but North Texas, and we need to work together. So we wanted to figure a way to bring them together. I recall, and you will know about this, you more accurate than I do, that the Super Bowl, when we had the Super Bowl here, I was surprised to learn that for the first time, and you, you'll be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but close enough, that Fort Worth, Dallas, Arlington, a bunch of the communities, fire, police, everybody got together because we had a common mission. The world was going to be looking at a stadium and we needed to be planned for whatever was going to happen. They had never come together and they had never been able before to have their, I could be a little bit off, but their police radios talk to the different cities and they needed to. Now, that was a ways back, but um, that concept really makes sense when you think about it. And especially in this day of communication, you find out what's going on here and over there in the same town. 
They may be doing the same thing, but now you know about it. You didn't know before. And likewise, we're able, with the, those young folks that can click a whole lot, are able to find out some good project that's going on in some other city, maybe, and say, well, why shouldn't we have that here? Oh, we've got someone that's doing something like that. Well, what if we talk together? And collaboration is simply another word for conversation. We, we want folks that have common missions, not just organizations. People get stuck in their organization, and you need to think about what is your mission for your organization. And better together, put a carrot out there, um, five different, um, well, four to begin with, and now we have another um, foundation that joined us, and the, um, the um, United Way, the uh, Lotta Hill Foundation, the Meadows Foundation, and the um, Dallas Foundation came together to create a pot of funds to help educate different agencies about how they might work together if they had some inkling, because you don't come to an agency knowing strategic planning. You come because you're passionate probably about whether it's hearing or seeing, whatever it might be. But as business people, we know that there's a background, there's an infrastructure that needs to be created. And how do they do that? And sometimes some outside help is very necessary. So Better Together has a program where agencies can come, and Nicole has the details that she can talk about, on the number of um, different organizations that have come and said, we'd like to talk. We don't know if we might be able to work together, but we know our clients see us, and oh, then we know they go to this agency, and then they go back to this agency, and then they go back here, and I wonder if it'd be more convenient if we were closer together. Because transportation is getting more challenging, as the community gets bigger. It's natural. So therefore, the concept of Better Together, which isn't just our concept, it's, <clears throat> it, uh, we, we recognize that it was needed, but our team put together a program, took a, three years to put together a program to, um, to try to help Dallas be more effective and efficient for the nonprofit sector to, to obtain the missions that they want to do. Does that give you a bit of an overview? It does. It's a, it's a perfect overview. Let's drill a little bit down into the details. I'll call on, on Nicole uh, for this. It's, it, from what I can see, it's working beautifully. The numbers I, I have at the top of my, my mind here are uh, 151 organizations and 51 grants given out. I, I don't know if that's the latest numbers, but, uh, or if I'm slightly off. Uh, but can you tell us a little bit about those organizations and how that works and maybe some of the examples of how that collaboration is, is sure. coming together? Um, I'll touch on a couple of things briefly and just to kind of amplify Lida's comments. When we started this work several years ago, there were some great examples across the country. There's some great examples here of where when we began to get issue focused and less agency focused, we were able to move the needle on things. And so as we all know, there are more nonprofits than ever. Philanthropy is doing amazing things, and yet we're not moving the needle necessarily as fast as we would like on so many issues. And so the opportunity for us all to encourage and incent organizations, governments, for-profits, not-for-profits to work together to really get focused on the issues has been really exciting. So we've had, uh, we launched in June of 2017. Um, we've had 51 grants awarded to 39 different collaborations that involve over 157 organizations. 
We've awarded over $2 million, and we've done almost 200 preliminary consultations, and what that means is that we've talked to over 400 organizations that for some of them for the very first time have said, as Lida said, huh, maybe we would be better together. Maybe right. we should have conversations. And so on your tables, we actually put these books. So this book is our first year annual report, and this um, is one of the things that, yes, right here, um, one of the things that we did that we thought would be helpful, and when we began this project, uh, we were very clear this was a pilot project. We were going to do a lot of things at work, and we were going to do a lot of things that wouldn't work. And we promised that people would take this journey with us and be willing to put themselves and their organizations out there to get funding to try to figure out how to work together. And working together could be everything from a merger to changing the way you do business for the long term by programming together, or by sharing space, or by sharing back office. It can be anywhere along that continuum. And we asked if they would take that journey and be willing to have those conversations that we would be really transparent about what we've learned. And so this is a more than anyone ever wanted to know, detailed version, uh, cases of each of the grants that were um, given for collaboration. So you can actually read about each of them. And when we began, the interesting thing too was because as you'll hear, collaboration moves at the speed of trust. People were very nervous. They were nervous about talking to each other. They were nervous about anyone knowing that they were talking. And we were so pleasantly surprised that when we went to everyone this past summer and said, hey, we want to talk about what you're learning. You don't need to give us your name. We won't share that. You'll see that almost everyone said, no, 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 no. We'd be happy to talk about what we've learned by working together. So you're going to see everything in this book from shared space between arts groups to four reading groups that are collaborating to move the needle on early childhood reading um, to a group called After Aid to Educate who are helping homeless DISD kids um, to a merger of a couple of social services agencies. So if you're involved in organizations, which I know most of you are, there is something in this book that will probably sound familiar to you that is either something you're already involved with or something you might think, huh, I sit on the board of an organization, we should think about that too. Yeah. Let me actually just pull out one thing you said and make sure we, we caught it right, which is these things move forward on the speed of trust. And I think trust is one of these things that you sort of just believe is in the background. But civic trust is crucially important, and there's lots of evidence that around the country it's been uh, uh, falling, unfortunately. And so what you're saying is, is that what this project can do and is doing is enhancing civic trust. So organizations that may never run into each other are running into each other and finding ways to work collaboratively in a way that makes it both of their missions, that uh, meets both their missions and make, makes all their work more effective. Is that fair? So it's completely fair. And some of the most incredible stories are actually probably not even in this book because they're not things that you can measure with metrics. They are the stories and the anecdotes that we're being told on a daily basis by people who are either in the process, thought about being in the process, or met someone they'd never met, but have decided not to enter the process. I was with um, one of the groups last week, and she said to me, you know, we were really competitive with these three other groups because we're all trying to do X in the community, and we really envisioned ourselves and our mission as protecting our own mission and kind of making sure that, you know, if we were talking to Lida, that they weren't talking to Lida too, because then it was competitive, right? And she said, you know, we've completely changed our vision. There are multiple of us now. We're comparing donor notes. We're comparing evaluation results. We are realizing that the pie is going to get bigger if we all work together. But that takes time, right? And they right. had to understand that they were all mission-focused. It wasn't always about your agency focus. Right. But when you're running to make payroll every month, sometimes it's easy to lose sight of your broader mission. And so this is really helping facilitate that. It takes time, and it also takes institutions. Right? If it's not an institution that pulls you together, you may not, may not come together. Right. Well, it turns out money is a great incentive. So. <laughs> We had the carrot. Fair enough. Uh, 
Alita, I'm going to turn to you and crack this conversation open in a slightly different perspective, uh, which is you're obviously with Capital One now. It's a large uh, financial institution. Um, but it also understands that you have to act locally or sometimes think locally. Uh, can you give us a little sense of how Capital One approaches its work and why it's potentially necessary to be, to be acting locally, even if you're a very large national organization? A large bank. And I want to say hi to all of you that I know. I actually do still live here, earmuff Capital One table, because I did tell my boss that I moved to New York, but I did not. So <laughs> that's uh, between all of us. But yeah, so I did join Capital One two years ago, and we uh, give $50 million out across the country, and we do it in a way that I'm really proud of. We don't spread it like peanut butter to every single neighborhood um, because it's not effective. We actually focus on very particular people centers where our folks are located um, and particular issues. So our focus is all about workforce. And when I say workforce, it's, it's for people to get ready and employable right now, and then for people to be employable in the future. So right now looks like digital workforce skills and making sure that you have a, a concept around teamwork and being able to work on a whiteboard and being able to work in the same rooms that you guys work in now. Um, and then preparing people for the future is all about math. So we need all of our girls and boys to be able to speak that language, not only to come work for Capital One, but to come and work for all of our customers as well. So our approach has been a little bit different and yet similar to Lida's and to Nicole's in that we are no longer agency focused. We are very much interested in collective impact and focusing on very particular neighborhoods um, and efforts. So New York, we focus on the South Bronx. Here we focus on Dallas. South Dallas and parts of Plano. We focus in education and we focus with a lot of different partners at the table. Diversity matters. And that includes bringing um, the actual beneficiaries to the table. So in New York, we actually pay um, through Robin Hood Foundation, 1,100 New Yorkers who are low income, who come and sit with us and design the programs that we're trying to create for them. That's a game changer for us. The single mothers tell us, you've got this wrong. That's not how this works. The homeless person will tell us, I don't want to go to the shelter, here's why. We need so Solving those problems together with the people we're trying to help has really changed our perspective. So I'm seeing a, a common theme here, which is, is that not coming up from up, up high, but actually working with the people that are, have to live with the consequences of the, of the policies or the ideas and that sort of thing um, that, that you're, you're implementing. Uh, I guess the story that comes to mind for me from from uh, one of the cases in business school was a company that was designing diapers and then it was an all-male team and at some point they asked women to help as well and, that, and then we came up with diapers for both girls and boys and lo and behold, they work better. Uh, you know, it sort of underscores the point that if you don't have the perspective, sometimes you'll miss something so obvious that once you see it, you smack your head sort of, sort of approach. Is that about what you're finding or about what your, your experience is? Very true. Very true. Um, Chief Hall, I'm going to turn to you. Um, uh, you and I had, a, I think, a really interesting conversation a few days ago, uh, and and you know, just I think your approach to policing uh, our great city is very interesting. And you know, what you had to say uh, was not just looking at solving this particular crime that may be occurring, but looking at some of the youths that may be heading down the wrong path and looking at their parents and saying, how can we work? Uh, with them differently in a way so we don't have to call the police down the road. So I wanted to give you just a, just a chance to tell, tell us what you told me the other day about the ideas that you have bubbling along. Uh, thank you, and thank you for having me. Uh, one of the things that we have to remember is that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over 
and getting the same results. That was the code name for our project, it's a little bit public. It was the Insanity Project. So um, when we look at policing uh, historically, uh, we go out, we arrest individuals, uh, they serve some, some length of time uh, in a facility, and then they're back on the street. And if we do not create training, jobs, education, then it just repeats the cycle. So one of the things that, um, that my vision is looking at it holistically and touching the systems that are in place in order for us to police better. Because a safe community uh, is a thriving community. If you are a business owner, you want to open up a business where you can actually operate without robbery, without burglary. And so law enforcement had to look at this thing differently. And so what we realized uh, in, in law enforcement is uh, we looked at our youth because that is our future. And what we see in the summer months is that we see an increase in the number of crimes that are committed by our young people. And so do we continue to lock up our young people and not give them an opportunity uh, to be successful or do we target them with resources that they need? And so one of the things uh, that the Dallas Police Department is focusing on now is a partnership. And we're looking with uh, AT&T in order to identify those at-risk youth and give them summer employment. We'll be hosting a uh, job fair here in the next couple of months. And we're targeting those individuals. No grade point average necessary, but you do need to be able to uh, be attending school. And so what we're trying to do is give them the tools that they need in order to be successful. Give them uh, some self-image, uh, uh, self-esteem, and in order for them to be successful. And then what do we do? It's a win-win for this entire community. Because not only are we employing them or providing the resources for them to be employed, we get to interact with the youth and build a relationship. It is no secret that the relationship between the community and the police is strained. Not just here in the city of Dallas, but all across this country. So we have an opportunity to be able to police differently, to engage differently, uh, and to provide the resources that they need in order to see us for the people that we are, not just the, the uniforms and the badges that we carry, um, but to be able to build a relationship that is sustainable. And in that process, we may even create some future police officers. But we're not stopping right there. What we recognize is in order for crime to totally change, um, we still need to engage that household. That child is not enough. So we're targeting the mothers uh, of these youth and uh, we're creating a mentor program. And it's going to be resume uh, building or resume writing. Uh, we're also looking at uh, attitude and attire. Uh, you know, just uh, attitude and attire, uh, training, job placement, and all of those things that they need in order to be successful as well. Uh, in this process, we attack the cycle of poverty. And we attack the individual, the youth, who have the potential to commit crime. Now, how are we successful as a police department? We're making less, less arrests, we have fewer calls for service, and we have an opportunity to engage with our community the way that we really need to, and that is to focus on those quality of life issues that you and I face much more than we would like to focus on crime. So uh, since the day I walked into the city of Dallas, uh, my commitment has been to uh, community engagement and to looking at 
the crime in this city holistically and also making Dallas uh, a world-class place as it relates to law enforcement and building uh, better opportunities for economic growth and development because we have a thriving city uh, that's free of crime and we have opportunities for everyone and that is our goal and, um, and we're excited about it. We're excited about uh, some of the business that, businesses that have agreed to partner with us to give us uh, those opportunities for those young people and those mothers here in the city of Dallas. What's, what's striking for me, and, and it's striking now when you say it, and, and we said it to me a few days ago, is, is that those summer months are just key. So here you have kids that may be making a decision in June that will put their, their life on a different trajectory. And if we can intervene at that moment, at that decision point, at that pivot point in someone's life, you might change a get a completely different trajectory for that person's life, which will have a huge impact on the city. Absolutely. We, we have the opportunity to change the game. Uh, and we're taking that opportunity. And we're, we're asking that you help us, um, that you uh, agree to partner with us. We're so excited about the col collaboration, collaboration here uh, so that we, that we can truly be successful in this, in this endeavor. I love also that you're, you're thinking about the parents, uh, the, the mothers of a lot of these, these children. If you, don't, if you don't fix some of the home, what's going on on the home front, uh, it's really hard to change the game. It truly is. You know, when you engage a child, and uh, we do a lot of engagement with our youth uh, in the city, uh, and when we spend time with them, uh, we build these bricks. And when they go home, if there is uh, a poverty issue, if there's no lights, there's no, no running water, uh, if there is violence in the home, then every one of those bricks that we've built is torn down. And so that makes our job that much harder because the next time that we encounter that youth, uh, not only do we have to rebuild those bricks, but then we have to fix the wounds um, that they've gotten in that process. So if we attack the family as a unit, uh, then I think that we'll be truly successful. And I'm excited about uh, what we're seeing uh, we see a reduction in crime and the number of crimes that are being committed right now. But can you imagine if we create a community where everyone has an opportunity, everyone has education, training, and not just our youth and their mothers, but those returning uh, citizens to the city of Dallas who are returning uh, from incarceration and who are looking to be successful and not looking to return to a life of crime. So if we could, we could do that, I'm excited about what the future of Dallas holds. So, so am I. So am I. You know, I think what we've heard so far on, on stage is several innovative ideas that are happening right here in Dallas. So I'd, my question is, you know, I just pulled out some, some numbers which aren't the latest numbers necessarily, but uh, Dallas has a higher concentration of 501c3s than, than Texas as a whole, the nation as a whole, New York City uh, as a whole. Uh, you know, I believe there's uh, about 50 billion in assets alone held by 501c3s in Dallas County. Uh, so I guess the question, I'll open this up to the panel, whoever wants to take it on, is, is that is the, the philanthropic culture of Dallas a unique asset for us that is, it is changing the, the game here? Uh, what, what we saw with the United Way with Giving Day would indicate that Dallas is one of the tops in the country philanthropy-wise, but we've got to work together. We've got to, we've got to um, um, be, be more efficient which is what you want to do with your business every day. You want to be more efficient to accomplish the objective of whatever it is. And um, we're very fortunate in Dallas <clears throat> to grow up with a, a culture of philanthropy from our early founders. And um, the feeling is here, 
We just got to make it work better. Yeah, I mean, here's the good news. This city cares a lot, right? And this is an incredibly entrepreneurial city with people. I mean, look at this room, right? You all have businesses to run and things you could do today, and you're here because you choose to be here because you know that you have an opportunity to make this community, your world, your, you know, your schools, all those things a better place. So the good news is we have a lot of nonprofits, which means a lot of people care. The challenge is, are we thinking as a whole at a systems level about how to make sure we're engaging those resources in the most meaningful way to do the most good in our community? And so I think that's what Chief Hall's speaking to, right? I think what you're hearing across the board is we're learning and we've learned for years, right? Whether it's the idea of collective impact or more integrated philanthropy that if a kid goes to school hungry, they can't learn. If mom is homesick, she can't go to work, right? So you create, we can't just do these kind of specific in interventions and hope like, well, we're just gonna solve reading and that's gonna save everything. Not if a kid's hungry, right? Or not if they've got violence in the home and if mom can't go to work or can't get a kid to school or a kid can't get to a job because they don't have a car. So I think what we're seeing is at a systems-wide level, this collaboration is really important because we have to take a much more integrated approach. So the great news is we have incredible amounts of resources here, which in a lot of cities, and I'm sure Alita can speak to what she's seeing in New York, because contrary to Amazon's belief, we're a lot better than New York. But wow. just saying, uh, we, uh, you know, we are doing great things here. And so I think this effort that United Way and Lida Hill Foundation and Meadows and Dallas Foundation and recently Hoblitzel joined on, is about let's make sure we take every dollar we have and every you know time, treasure, and talent, and let's make sure we're focusing it to do the most good. And so it's great to have all that, but let's make sure we're doing it the most effective way. So for, as a businesswoman, what I bring to the table early on is is I, I like to change things. My friends who know me, I don't do the same thing. I somehow I come up with different ideas. That's just the way I think, and I put risk capital in there. I can afford to put the risk capital, but I gotta make sure that it's gonna go somewhere. And I think better together, I was stunned at how rapidly it began to move, and how rapidly folks begin organizations that previously would never occur to me that this one and that one would talk. When they told me that these two were talking, I went, really? This is a big difference. And I think the time is now um, in society not just in Dallas, not, not, not just in nonprofit. People are realizing that we must work closer together to accomplish whatever we want to do, whether it's a better world or a better community or a better South Dallas. <clears throat> we got to work together to make it happen. I think that's exactly right. You know, just pick up on one thing you just said, Elida, that launched better together and things started to move. And I, I guess the point I wanted to, to draw out, and I think everyone here hit it, and I'm just gonna hit it, hopefully here in a little more you know, focused way, which is that with something like Better Together, it's not enough to have a lot of people that care and enough to have a lot of people putting a lot of resources in there. If you, if you don't steer them in a way, don't use them in an effective way, you can end up being very duplicative and waste, wasteful or, or heading directions you shouldn't go. But it seems like what you're saying is, is that what's going on here is, is that there is a leadership mechanism that's driving it in the right direction. We put in um, not only the financial resources, but the expertise. Because the expertise to bring things together and the view that it's going to help the organization to work with another organization um, hadn't been out there. And I think collaboration is out there a lot more now. Um, every time we turn around, I remember seeing some ad, I was on, I was on top of some mountain hiking somewhere and I, this summer and I saw this thing, oh, Starbuck had 
better together. And I went, what? I mean, it's, it's getting out there a whole lot somewhere that, that, hey, we can all work together, whether it's at your table, in your company, or in Dallas. And what we've learned is it's hard, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, let's just be honest about it. It's hard, right? And I do think this idea that you have to know each other as people is really important, which is the trust factor. But the reason Better Together was started was that we realized that um, as funders, oftentimes we were, we called it sort of check the box collaboration, right? Funders would say, hey, we'll give you grants, but you gotta bring three partners to the table. And you're like, well, that's awesome, but it takes us like six weeks to get a meeting with all four partners, and then we can't get the next meeting till the next time. And then you want us to work together, but it's not really free, and then you're not gonna give us a grant for something else, and so it's hard. So the, this creation of this concept was actually to fund the stuff that other people don't fund, right? So we funded um, consultants, we fund legal bills, we fund tech transfer, we fund, uh, if you need two chairman of the board or two EDs to go out to dinner because that's how you build trust, we do those things. We actually fund staff time, which most people across the country told us we should never do, but if you've ever worked in a nonprofit, and I have, it's great to get asked to do a lot of things, but you're never quite sure, like, is that in the 25th or 26th hour that I'm supposed to be doing that? So this fund was about trying to actually provide the expertise and the capital that people need to do it. And then the last piece of it was also that it's not just about, gosh, if we kind of work together, like maybe we could save 10%. I'm not gonna lie, and you worked at the Wall Street Journal. I got really excited when we started this. We brought McKinsey in, we did this big study. I'm like, we're gonna save like a billion dollars in Dallas, right? Well, no, everybody's pretty much broke already, yeah. <laughs> right? So this is about amplifying impact, not necessarily saving money. It's about reallocating resources where you can to make more impact. And so the other big piece of this was, we'll pay for all that ugly stuff, and then we're gonna pay at the end for what the big idea is, because that's the mission focus. So that's, when we, t it's great to talk about collaboration, but we also need to be honest that it takes time, and it takes trust, and it takes effort, and oftentimes there needs to be a triggering moment that makes people say, okay, I, it would be easier if I did this with you. And by the way, it's like a lot more fun to work together. So that's the other piece of this. Fair enough. Let me shift this conversation just briefly because I, I suspect a lot of people in the room are wondering uh, about data. You know, so data is is often talked about now uh, in the philanthropic world. You know, looking at data, making sure that you're using measurable results. And it strikes me that that data is an important part of this conversation. But when you're working collaboratively, it's a little different uh, in the sense of, of it's not necessarily big data or what might be people think of data. So I wanted to ask how would it, how would it be different in a collaborative environment? Yeah, so we use, we're a tech company, I guess, um, and a bank at the same time, but operate and function just like a tech company. So we use design thinking. When we're thinking about bringing our customers and building a product and service for them, we do the same thing with our nonprofits. You get invited into the whiteboard, we're gonna put that problem up there and we're gonna solve it kind of together. We're gonna force you to think about whether or not you're the best to solve it, whether or not you should be working with other folks, and what data we should use. And the data is important, and we will pay for you to get the data, but it has to be relevant, it has to be actionable, and then we want a sense of urgency and an, an action and kind of time behind it. I think the one piece that our data fails us, both in New York and in other places, and where our nonprofits kind of continue to mill around a little bit, is on race. To be honest with you, it's the one place where we keep finding that no matter what data we pull, the disparity kind of hits um, race in a really negative way and impact. We keep pulling out this bag of M&Ms, we fill it with all these diverse different folks and people, but when we pour it out, we only the green M&Ms in, and I don't understand why that keeps happening. So the one 
place that we're looking for now to invest is to figure out how we can do a better job of making sure that there's trust and that race works. Um, and I, I love what you said about trust earlier. I was sharing with a friend of mine that my son got pulled over um, by a police officer, so he texted me, and it was the worst nine minutes of my life. My friend's son, hi Gillian, would get pulled over by a police officer, and it might not be the worst nine minutes of her life because between texts, because there's just a different perception for us and a different piece of trust going on. And so building programs like that might just help um, in New York, in Dallas, and in other places. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, and, I, and while you're on that, on that topic, that's why this is so important. That's why uh, building partnerships and relationships is so important to me as a police chief. Uh, because, you know, in the black community, you have to teach your children that when you're stopped by the police, it's 10 and 2, it's throw your hands out the window, don't talk, don't say anything. And um, that's not a comfortable way to live. And I am working very diligently for the day that no person of color has to have that conversation with their kids. And that's internally in the police department. That's making sure that my officers are trained, um, that we are focusing on it, whether it's implicit bias or reality-based training uh, or de-escalation and focusing on those things, but also focusing in the community to let everyone know that we are not in combat with our community. We are here to work together, that we love each other, and we want the best. Everybody wants to be safe. Uh, and we want that to happen. It doesn't always happen that way, but we're getting there. We're going to get there. We've had some bumps in the road. Uh, we know that there's some, some changes that we need to make as a police department. Uh, I am doing everything that I can to make sure that we, we change and fix what's wrong with us, and then working very diligently uh, to give the community an open look into who we are, what we do, uh, and let them know that if there are changes that they see, you see, that we need to make, let us know, because we're an open book and we're open to change. Uh, we will make the necessary changes because we will have a community that can trust the police department that serves them. We are I want to shift the conversation here a little bit and ask about, you have a, Alita, you have a footprint in New York and ask us how we compare to New York. Uh, it seems like every problem we have here, they have there in, in larger, larger spades. Um, so how are we doing compared to other cities, I guess, compared to New York? Dallas is better than New York. North Texas is better than New York. I, <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully no one from New York is here. <laughs> but no, I, really moving to uh, New York was, I would call it an assault on the senses. Everything that's really good is really good in New York. There's great um, ideas and amazing partners, but the really bad is really bad and it's huge. The homelessness problem is 61,000 people, right? So the domestic violence folks that called our Safe Horizons hotline um, this year will be 100,000 people who will call. So the massiveness of the problem doesn't allow them to do what's happening here, which is be predictable and find models and to work together and to get away from the bureaucracy and all the other things that would get in the way. You just have to attack the problem in front of you. Convening people is very, very difficult, and I actually miss 
working here. I also don't have a Linda McMahon or a Dr. Flowers or <laughs> others like who like hold, they are very, they've been very good at hold, uh, holding, I would think, corporations accountable for how we're spending. You're like, you gotta get this right. Doing third grade reading is not enough. Focusing on STEM isn't just where you need to be. You have to focus on the entire pipeline. Those are messages that I received here, that I've taken there. Um, and so that's where I think the big difference is that we're here you're able to get things done and you don't have this big hairy problem in your way. So congratulations. Well, I for one find that very encouraging because obviously Dallas is growing, growing very quickly. And, and so if we, get the, if we don't fix the problems, they're gonna be worse 20 years from now. If we get on a good trajectory, we can be in a different spot when we're a much larger city. And so it feels like we have a lot of the ideas on the table today about how to fix them. Yeah, it was 61,000 homeless now. It was 24,000 under Giuliani. So the problem was getting worse in New York because they did not do the predictive things that they needed to do and look around the corner as rents were rising and other things were happening um, to create what's happening now. Even seniors are being impacted. So there's a lot to be done there. Um, but there's, I, again, the best practices are here as well, um, exporting youth. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really entrepreneurial community as we talked about. I mean, even with Better Together, just since we're kind of on that subject today, we've had, I think, eight or 10 cities come talk to us about what we're doing. And they keep saying, well, how did how'd you get all the foundations to work together? Like, how, how'd you get people to be willing to apply? And we said, well, we're, we're, we told everyone it was a big test. And like, we're all trying it together. We're kind of all in it together. We'll see how it goes, no pun intended. So I think that that's the big difference here too. You have visionary funders like Lida who are willing to put risk capital in. And um, I think, you know, from a philanthropy perspective, the good news is we've gotten really focused on data and really focused on metrics, which is great because we should absolutely be holding everyone engaged in these processes accountable. The other side of that has been that in that process, we have sometimes lost the ability to try new things, right? Because it's like, hey, we want, we always joke, right? What do funders say to grantees when they go ask? We want you to do the most innovative program you've ever done. We want you to do something no one's ever done before. By the way, you can't use any money on people, technology, or this, and we're gonna give you $1,000, and you have to have it fully evaluated in 10 months. Okay. You know, it doesn't, those are hard conversations to have, and I think what Dallas has found is the right balance between metrics and accountability and entrepreneurial vision that is willing to try things and say it may or may not work. What Chief Hall's doing, right? She's being visionary, she's doing systems change, and she's working with the community and is being really transparent about it. And I think that's something that's really unique here. And new things are okay, and Dallas is a can-do city, by golly. We can make it work. We always have been, and we're not changing now. We're just gonna do new stuff. So a culture of where it's okay to fail if you're trying, but yeah. just try again. Yeah, fail up. Fail up, there you go, there you go. And I think, you know, what, when something, that, something that a lot of people may not fully absorb unless they're out and seeing these things in practice is that in a lot of cases, they are working. When you walk through uh, Mementus Institute, you walk through different things and you see the light in the kids' eyes and you realize these things are really taking off. And I think there's a lot of success stories around Dallas that weren't here 10 years ago or weren't here 20 years ago. Um, so it feels like it is, it is really taking off. Um, is that fair? Or, do you, or I guess what I want to ask is, what is your favorite success story that you can think of that you've seen around Dallas in the last 10 years that's up and running? That wasn't on the list. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna pick a partner and then someone's gonna be upset with me. But um, 
Okay. Um, the city square, I think, was one of the things that I was probably most proud of, and um, among other things, and, and then the start of Commit. I think Commit really changed the game by putting kind of that third-party data piece out there, and again, holding a mirror up to the philanthropist and saying, you think you're doing the right thing, but the truth is, if you focused here on high school graduation, you missed the journey when they didn't have the ACT and SAT prep and the third grade reading, and by the way, early childhood. So putting us all in the same room and focusing on the same metrics has been amazing. Um, and then I think about City Square and their work that they've done where they did mixed income um, housing vertically, and I go back to New York and I look at models that they've tried to do and failed. Um, it's, been, it's been really interesting to watch one that actually works. So there's been so many here. I was here a long time, still here, 20 years. So pick a favorite, Nicole. That was, a, that was a mean question. I don't have to answer the question. I've only been here 15 months. And she has, and, 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 and yeah, she's a weapon. Like, what's your favorite so far? <laughs> uh, fair, fair enough. So just two more questions. And one is that it seems to me that key here is, is that corporate, uh, corporate philanthropy is a key to this, not in those multiple pieces to that. But, so why should a corporation engage in this kind of work? Well, do they want to be able to sell whatever their product is? It really doesn't matter what your product is. If you want to work in Dallas and your business has a product of some kind, you want a good city to sell it to. Yeah. I mean, how can you not support the community? And you That's want bad business. I'm sorry. And, and, you, and you want uh, people to stimulate the economy. Exactly. Uh, and the only way they can stimulate the economy is they have jobs. And right. so um, that's why it's important. Yeah, and Dallas ISD is a pipeline of employees for us, right? So we need to invest there as with Plano ISD and others. We would invest in any other part of our pipeline for products and services in that way. Why wouldn't we do that same investment in the education system where our company's trying to build and thrive? It just makes sense. The ROI is really good, right? I mean, I think even 10, 15 years ago when I started in the nonprofit world, it was very much that corporations should give it, because they should give to charity, like it's nice. Right. And what I think people have realized is the return on the investment is really high, whether it's mm -hmm. education or workforce or health, right? It it's right. behooves their bottom line and their shareholders and their employees and their cities to do it as well. So I think that that's been a good thing as they've realized it's critical to their success. Plus, Amazon's going to get on the B train, and they're not going to be happy when they see the man that I see every day who is only wearing a newspaper. It's not what they think. So I just, I just hope they're ready. They should have picked Dallas. It's a cleaner, nicer place. Sorry. Um, do you have any advice that you'd give members in, the, in this room, Trek members, for how to continue this kind of work? If you're on a board, if you're not on a nonprofit, um, involved with a nonprofit, I encourage you to get involved. I, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've started a lot of companies. You can't have more fun than it is seeing making a difference in people's lives. I can assure you that is far more fun than all the businesses I've been able to s start. This, this, this is great. And get involved with a nonprofit. You've got business expertise. They need business minds on their committees and on their boards, and you will derive a great deal. You will feel really good about what you've done, I can assure you. Oh, great, I'll, I'll end. Um, Do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, end, I'll end with this thought, and it's a simple thought, but that nothing happens unless someone does it. 
there's a lot of people in this room that are doing things, but and you may think it's basic, you may think that, of course, that's gonna happen, but nothing is actually gonna happen unless someone does it. So is that person you or is it someone else? So I'd like to thank everyone on the panel today uh, for telling us a little bit how to do it, and also to thank Trek for giving us the opportunity to be here today and share some of our, our thoughts. So thanks, thanks very much. wonderful here and we do appreciate all that you do for the city of Dallas. Chief Hall, we're thrilled to have you here. Thank you for your leadership. Lyda and Nicole, you're doing groundbreaking work. We're so proud to have you here and hear about that. And Alita, welcome home. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Alita, Alita and I have known each other a long time. We used to be in, I used to be in the banking business, but um, she was an, she's an ALC alum. So she went through our leadership class. 2005. <laughs> <laughs> so she is. Uh, we were really thrilled that she was able to come home early and, and spend some time with us. Uh, for everyone who doesn't know me, my name is Linda McMahon. I'm president and CEO of the Real Estate Council, and I am so thrilled that, to see all of you here today for this amazing program to wrap up our year. I want to, first of all, take a couple points of personal privilege. I want to thank all of our board members and all of our members who are here that really support all the work we do. We cannot do this work without you. And I look out here and I see a whole lot of friends that have really committed themselves to the mission of our organization. And I thank you for that because that's really important. I also want to thank our team. So for those of you who don't know the Real Estate Council team, some of them are in here and some of them are out there. They work really hard to make sure these events uh, are pulled off seamlessly. And so I thank them. And if they wouldn't mind standing for those of you who are in the room, uh, I would appreciate if you would thank them as well for their work this year. And again, we can't do these kinds of programs without great sponsors. And so once again, thank you, Bank of Texas. You've been a great partner for many years. And uh, we're so pleased that you're going to return as a sponsor again next year. So thanks a lot for your support. And Stuart Title, thank you so much for your help. And Dallas Morning News, we love having our partnership with you. And Brendan, we're glad to have you here as our moderator. Um, I'd like to remind you that it's membership time. So if you want to have all this fun next year, you need to join again. So please make sure you do that. Uh, we have a few um, spaces left on our Forest District Tour. So if you want to spend some time with our partners through here in the corner with our Dallas Catalyst Project, City Square, uh, St. Philip School and Community Center, and Cornerstone Baptist Church, uh, we're, we're really thrilled you're here today for this program. Thank you for being here. But we value our partnership, and we're going to be doing another tour on December 4th. Um, so if you want to see the work we're working, the things we're working on, there will be one at 10 and one at 2, and you can register on our website at recouncil.com. Um, and then I'd also like to thank you and your companies for this wonderful year, your passion for our industry and the dedication to our organization and this city inspires all of our work every single day. So with that, very happy holiday to you and your family, and we look forward to seeing you in 2019. Thanks again.